0: Aaron, how's it going?
1: Um, well, I reluctantly got back on Bumble.
0: Um, I mean, there are okay. worse things in the world that you could get back on.
1: I mean, my ex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, there's that.
1: Oh, that was too easy.
0: That was too easy. <laughs> oh, what's up? You know, um, I got my first tattoo this weekend.
1: Mm-hmm. Right as I took a drink. Yes, you yep. did. I'm so proud yep. of you.
0: It's um, a, a portrait of my so, nipples while was... they're at their peak. Um, I just wanted to remember this moment of my life where I was at my physical best. Um, so, immortalized... Rever- no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? (laughs) Please don't. Please don't imagine. I
1: feel like I'm gonna in my sleep tonight. (laughs) Completely unprompted. Oh, God. Also, uh,
0: first of all, it's...
1: Speaking of worse things to get on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's Erin saying is that she wants a matching one because it's such high art. Um, No, so it is... A semicolon and mm. in ink splotches. Sarah got her one that's a semicolon made out of sit sprites. Um, They're characters from our little boy's favorite movie. And then mine are ink splotches because yes. I'm an artist and a writer. Um, yes. But, yep. we
1: And, okay, so I just want
0: to ask you, because
1: y'all, y'all got the semicolon. Was that, like, for a cause? Yes. Or- so
0: obviously mental health is very important to both of us and you know i suffer from depression a lot um and so um the semicolon and that whole movement really means a lot to me that there are people who understand um but this particular event was a fundraiser um the tattoo parlor we went to was raising money to donate to um a suicide prevention um organization um and that that saved her life whenever she was going through a horrible time in her life. And so she wanted to pay it forward. Um, And so she texted Sarah this morning with the amount that she, so everyone who signed up, she sent a text to, to say how much they raised through this fundraiser. And um, I don't remember how much it was, but it was quite a bit. And so it was awesome to be part of that. And Sarah and I had been talking about our first tattoos forever and we kind of figured might as well bite the bullet because after you get your first one then you can the others are much less stressful so we got ones that mattered to us but that were like not ostentatious enough that they're going to stick out if we hated them does that make sense but we don't hate them so (laughs) totally yeah yeah
1: no I totally get it I love that Congrats on your first tattoo! Thank welcome you. to
0: the addiction. Thank you.
1: Um, it will continue.
0: I know. I'm already planning my next one, because um, mm-hmm. I, after I made the nipples joke, like I feel like that's a pretty good one. So we just gotta sketch it out. Good thing I'm an artist, so I'm gonna self-portrait my nipples real quick. This is this is the episode where all I say is nipples. Hi, welcome to Life Tyson. <laughs> also um while recording our patreon my microphone broke so you'll notice i'm on my airpods today it's not the same mic quality i have to get a new mic which is sad because this is like my third mic since we started this podcast
1: this is only this one's only my second but mine died in the middle of an episode so that's true that's true (laughs) oh
0: goodness it's just
1: well
0: tell me what's up with you I will. Oh, yeah, you said Bumble, um, and we changed the topic real fast.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I downloaded Bumble. I will probably delete it before we're done recording this episode. Um, And, let's see, I survived sorority recruitment. Yeah, I see that. It's always good news. Uh, thank
0: you, y'all, for letting us have last week off. We both needed it for very different reasons.
1: Not that we asked. Right, but, um, right.
0: Yeah, uh, we you. did not put Great. our time off request in, and we... We appreciate no. your graciousness in approving it anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, last week was crazy. I would have never had time to watch a movie last week. It just would have not happened. No, I know. I would have just made
0: it up. You were non-existent, <laughs> like, in our texts last week.
1: Uh-huh. Which is never.
0: Right. Never. Right? Like, even during the work day, you were, like, actually busy. And I was like, okay, who is this, like, working woman that thinks that she can just ignore me when I'm over here trying to have a life? Oh,
1: no. <laughs> You're like, hello, would you please pay attention to my new tattoo? Right?
0: <laughs> Damn it. Um, <sighs> no, but so I did this last week. I was invited to participate in, I mean, so... It, I was called last week by um, this big event that happens here in town every year to sell my soaps at, and so now I have been mm. like busy beavering, making tons and tons of soap, because now I have the potential to sell. Between the three events that I all of a sudden have, about 10,000 customers will come through. And I don't have well, enough we have a left. problem. Yes.
1: I have a big problem with your soaps.
0: They're addictive.
1: Well that <laughs> and you're gonna have to stop making
0: them food right? related. So I've really leaned into this confectionery idea. So I made these yeah, have. donuts and I made the you know, like I've got the bubble truffles that I'm now put gonna put in Sunday cups whatever I sell them so that they look like scoops of ice cream, like right?
1: Oh so speaking of soap, this is the funniest thing. So when I moved to my new neighborhood um, there's a big super target like right down the street from me. And um it like I used to shop there a lot because I used to live not in the same neighborhood but um a little ways down. So that was like the closest super target. Right. Well, when I first moved, I was like driving to the super target parking lot and I was like, Oh, there's a soup restaurant. Like that's awesome. Right? Uh-huh. Cause I am an old lady and I love soup. Like <laughs> And um, so the other day, I was closer to the soup restaurant, close enough to realize it's not a soup restaurant.
0: Oh, no.
1: It's a soap store.
0: (laughs) What's it called?
1: The soap something. Oh, no. I think the soap kitchen or something. Oh, well, that's,
0: that's on them. That's on them.
1: I'm really disappointed that there's no soup there. Okay. To be honest, have you the 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 temperature finally fell into like the 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 low nineties this week? And Would I'm like, oh, let's make
0: soup. <laughs> I checked the forecast, and we have an 87 degree day coming up. And I was like, I've got to get out my yes, heavy Yes, we sweater. do too. No,
1: the other okay. So Saturday night, one of my friends came over to watch a movie with me, and um, because my my new apartment complex is stupid and like the parking is terrible, she had to park in a parking lot next door. Okay. And so I like went to take her back to her car after the movie was over so she could go home. And we walked outside and I was like, oh my God,
0: it's like chilly. It was 85 degrees. (laughs) That's like when I texted y'all that I had to turn the AC off of my car because it was 75 outside and I was getting cold. I was like, it's chilly. I can't. What we're telling you, y'all, is pray for the South. We are not Okay.
1: It's fall, y'all. Uh, it's spooky season! Oh, good. Spooky season! And then I, I was telling my friend, too, I was like, oh, God, I have to put up my Halloween decorations because Christmas um, movies are going to start before Halloween, so that means I have to put up my Christmas tree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I That's the Which thing I can't true. do. I can't do Christmas before Halloween. I can do Christmas November 1st in fact so um
1: do you i do christmas the the weekend that that the hallmark does
0: their 24 hour right I, I i i decorate while they do their 24 hour like fitness, i just so. can't do it that early but um you remember last year when i had my massive meltdown and the only thing i felt that would make me better was christmas lights uh which by the way mm-hmm. it worked um so mm-hmm. that company sent out a letter in July that was like, if you schedule to have your lights up before October 31st, you'll get a like 15% discount on your lights. So I was like, well, put me down for October 30th. I'll just not plug them in till yeah. November 1st. And then I called them. And I was like, there you go. Can I not get the garland on my door? Like, can I delay the garland at least? And they're like, yeah, that's okay. So. We'll yeah. have our lights up and they'll put the garland up later. But I was like, I just can't do trick-or-treaters on my lawn with garland on my door.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, should we talk about this movie slash case? Yes. Oh, hey,
0: this is Lifetime Sentence Paul. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm I'm Aaron. And also I just want to tell y'all, if y'all have not done this yet, do not walk. Run to Amazon Prime and watch Lula Rich. Oh, yeah.
0: I put that in my, like, on my list yesterday. It is
1: so fucking good. I think I might cover it for Patreon, because it is so good. Amy predicted so, that you would. So, so good.
0: Ah! <laughs> you know, Amy spent the weekend it with us. It was a lot of fun.
1: It is It's so good. Oh, my God. So, do that. All right. So... This week I watched the two Mr. Kissels. It stars John Stamos yeah, as Andrew Kissel. Um, I just call him John Stamos the entire movie. Oh,
0: so. uh, he's not even he's the fun. good Kissel. No, Dang. he's the one. I was hoping he was the good um, one. He's just so pretty.
1: You'll know him from Full House, Fuller House, Grandfather, Big Shot, Royalties, You, Scream Queens, all of it. And the wet
0: dreams of every millennial ever.
1: That too. (laughs) Um, Robin Tunney, she plays Nancy Kissel. Um, You'll know her, well, you should know her. Um, She's from The Craft, Empire Records, and The Fix. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do know her. Anson Mount, he plays Rob Kissel. He was in Crossroads.
0: With Brittany? With Brittany. Yes.
1: Um, Safe and in her shoes. Okay. Um, Finally, we have... Wait,
0: what's his last name? Mount. That will come up because I have seen... To the... Oh yes, I do know him. Okay.
1: And finally, we have Gretchen Egolf. Um, she plays Haley. She is from the Talented Mr. Ripley quiz show and
0: Roswell. I I actually know all these people this time.
1: So, like, big name cast. Yeah. yeah why? Okay. Big name cast.
0: So um, I am prepared for like a real good movie with like no music that's recognizable and maybe only one set because they spent their whole budget on the cast. Oh, you're wrong. Do what? You're wrong. Oh, wow. So,
1: but we'll get to it. Um. So we open with a moving truck um, asking a mailman if they are in Greenwich. Yes. To which the mailman is like, no, you peasant, it's Greenwich. <laughs> They ask the mailman for directions, and he tells them how to get to the Kissel's house. Uh, John Stamos' voiceover is that God would live in Greenwich if only he could afford it.
0: Great, that once where a man comes. <laughs> that one sentence already encapsulates exactly who Andrew Kissel was, which is terrifying that they nailed it, like characterized it so quickly. Oh, a hundred
1: percent. It's where a man comes to reinvent himself. The movers get to the house, which is being completely packed up. We see family photos, and John Stamos continues to talk about how they had it all. He and his brother had lives that most people only dream about. Um, The moving man goes downstairs after grabbing a coffee and a donut and finds John Stamos tied up and murdered. Doesn't even drop his donut, just, like, turns around and walks back upstairs. I was like, excuse me, what the fuck? If I had
0: a dollar for every time, I just walked in and found a millionaire (laughs) tied up in a basement dead. I would finish my donut, too.
1: John Stamos asks if we want to know how he got here. And I've got time, so I'm like, sure, John Stamos, tell me <laughs> all about it. Um, and we cut to the EMS guys pulling John Stamos out of the basement and talking about how now there are, now there are two dead rich guys. What a coincidence. And Nancy Grace is here.
0: Oh, great. Awesome. I was wondering when she'd show up.
1: She talks about how the mansion cost fourteen thousand dollars a, a month. month. But I like looking around the house, or at least the house they used in this movie. I was like, really, only fourteen thousand dollars a month? Right. It seemed kind of small. Yeah, like old, like a kind of a small amount for what they were getting. Okay. I had an indoor pool in the basement. Like it was fucking rad as hell. I
0: am not living life <laughs> right. First of all, I'm living in Mrs. Louisiana Kissel where arrives. we can't have a basement because it'll flood. So I guess I could have a pool in the basement.
1: You live below sea level, <laughs> so <laughs> any basement would be a pool <laughs> um, So Mrs. Kissel arrives and the reporters are like, oh, my God, did you do it? Are you rich now? Did you bash his head in? And she turns around and, like, drops her sunglasses and she goes, do your homework that's the other Mrs. Kissel, and she goes inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> the disgust in her voice is, like, goals. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, flashback to 1989, when Nancy is trying on wedding dresses, talking about all the guys she hooked up with and how much blow she and her friends used to do while drinking champagne. She tells the seamstress that she's going to lose another five pounds before the wedding, which is in three days.
0: Um, well, okay.
1: The girls, um, one of the bridesmaids complains about the color of their dress, and so Nancy explains that she's going to be Mrs. Rob freaking Kissel. We cut to the wedding, where John Stamos is looking very put out. Nancy is whispering into Rob's ear about how hard
0: her nipples are. Which oh. Is, yeah. As I raise my tattoo, <laughs> it's in a place where I can't show it on camera very well. <laughs> I raise my <laughs> nipple tats to you.
1: Mm. Um, John Stamos continues to chug champagne and flirt with the waitress who is so not into him. And I, bro- hey, it's a real song. Oh. Into the Night. Oh, wow. Yeah. John Stamos dances with his new sister-in-law, but she's not into it either. And another g- real song, um, "Dance All Days" by Wang
0: Chung. Wow, lifetime! This must I mean, have been like a big event movie, like to kick off the summer of murder or something. Yeah, Nancy's bridesmaid. Bri- oh no, <laughs>
1: bridesmaid <laughs> <laughs> is in what looks like a documentary talking about how Nancy dropped her after the wedding with no warning. And it was Nancy's Way or the Highway, and she only loved spending Rob's money. So Rob and Nancy buy a house, and they have, like, a lot of sex in it. Okay. Like, lamp-breaking sex. Um, they have Andrew over for dinner and talk about buying another new house, and everyone accuses Andrew of being jealous. And, oh, Rob's dad does not like Nancy. Oh, Okay. Um, she's like serving dinner, and he's like, This tastes weird. What is it again? And she's like, Oh, it was one of the most popular um, dishes at the restaurant. And he was like, Oh, so you are a waitress and a chef?
0: <laughs> I love that shade. Okay, so I would not like that yeah. shade if I didn't know the end of this story.
1: Yeah. Um, so. Andrew's sister encourages him to reach out to some woman she's been trying to set him up with, reminding him that she's rich. So Andrew takes her out. They flirt, and he buys the restaurant a round of drinks to be all showy. And next thing you know, Andrew slash John Samuels is getting married and insists upon everyone calling him Andrew now instead of Andy because he's going to be rich. Oh, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to continue to call him John Stamos. Um, oh. Nancy and Haley, um, John Stamos's girlfriend, do not get along. Um, they're, like, shopping together, and Nancy's like, I'm going to take all these super tight, short dresses. And Haley's, like, uh, very successful in her own right, and so the store person recognizes Haley, which makes Nancy, like, really pissed. Yeah.
0: If I don't remember... She's, like, soups jealous. If I don't have it in my notes, I think I do. Haley was a professional skier, like with multiple championships under her belt at this point, who then went on to be a financial analyst for CNBC. So,
1: which she was like literally on the air, right? Talking about,
0: uh, right? Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me.
1: So, now Haley's in the documentary thing. She says she didn't kill her husband, but sure, she wanted to every once in a while. Any, she says, quote, any wife who doesn't is taking too much Xanax. So, <laughs>
0: Um, note to sell have Sarah's doctor up her xanax prescription
1: yeah. it's the 90s and we have another real song
0: money Wow
1: yeah Andrew and Rob and Haley and Nancy by matching Porsche's which is so no. no so pretentious
0: <laughs> okay. so I would I would never buy a vehicle that matched my siblings just cuz like that's not who we are. But definitely mm-hmm. I would not let them match me if I could afford a Porsche. Like no no. No sir. Yeah. You you have to buy something else. I hear the Altima's yeah. kind of nice. <laughs>
1: The Kissels and their wives party and spend money. John Stamos and Haley buy a house. Nancy takes a ton of naked photos of herself, which she then hangs in her their living room. Classy. Can you um, imagine?
0: Like, I understand, like, gifting a boudoir shoot to your husband, but, like, to have them framed as the centerpiece of your living room is a completely different story. When you have babies. Oh, my God.
1: John Stamos and Rob decide to go into business together being slumlords. Like, literally, they say the word slumlord. No! And I was like, oh, no! (laughs) Um, Nancy's not super into this, and so they all get into a fight because Nancy has more kids than John Stamos. And I guess that was, like, a point of contention. Um... Later, Nancy tries to argue with Rub about investing in the business, and she succeeds. She gets out of the car in the middle of the road and storms off. She sounds like a having much. Yeah. John Stamos isn't having much better luck with Haley, who just is complaining how Nancy is such a gigantic bitch, but she's right, so I get it. Right. Um, um, John Stamos's driver talks about how Mr. Kissel is the perfect rich man, and he loves him like his brother, but this is all played over him making a perp walk, so I'm not sure if I believe him.
0: Oh, when <laughs> was this movie filmed? Did you tell me?
1: Um, this was released in 2008.
0: Okay. Oh but man. But they give
1: they give updates up through 2011
0: at the end. Oh, really? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he says he was the last person to see Mr. Kissel alive, and everyone thinks that he killed him. Um. So Nancy's, like, walking through her building, um, bringing her kids home, and a neighbor is like, oh, that's such a really great bag. I love it. And Nancy responds, too bad you'll never be able to afford one. What a bitch.
0: Also, taken from real life. Actual straight quote.
1: There are flowers everywhere in the house, and Rob's inside with a diamond necklace for her and a trip to Hong Kong. Rob's gotten a promotion and it's not a trip they're moving to Hong Kong and Nancy is pissed because she has a life and doesn't want to go okay um, Rob insists that he can't turn down the promotion and they're gonna make a ton of money and she's like all you think about is money you're so selfish which would come across a lot better if she was not scooping up all her new shit and like carrying it off while she storms out of the room right I was like
0: girl on the heels of her looking at a neighbor and saying too bad you can't afford this hmm
1: Yeah, I, I mean I want to feel bad for you, but I don't. <laughs> so do uh, do 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 John Stamos and his wife have a baby of their own finally. Aww. Um they walk into their apartment coming home from the hospital and there's plastic sheeting everywhere. And Haley is super shocked, but John Stamos is like, no, I'm like, you should be so excited because what I did is I bought both the apartments next door. And I'm knocking on all the walls to make one gigantic apartment. Oh, okay. Well, you know. And Haley's like, uh, "Can we afford this?" And he's like, "Totally." He's rich. Um, he's told you that three thousand. Spoiler 000. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they cannot afford it. Um, he. The fuck? Oh, it's the cat. She scared the shit. Out of me. Sorry. <laughs> um. He. He promises the baby he'll be the best dad in the whole world. um, And he decides that he and Haley should have a ton of kids together. Um, They go to their parents' house, and everyone brags about how successful they all are um, and how much money they all make. Um, But everything is really tense and uncomfortable, so um, there's that. John Stamos escapes to the bathroom to snort some cocaine, like you do at awkward family gatherings. Um,
0: Listen, I don't think I haven't been tempted.
1: Turns out he's overspending on a project he's working on for his building co-op, and probably cocaine too. Um, They're broke, but no one knows it because he's doctoring all of his paperwork, which is not good. Um, So now it's the year 2000, and everyone's in Hong Kong getting full body masks. Nancy talks about how much she loves having sex with her husband, and her friends tell the camera that That should have been the tip-off that something was wrong because no one likes having sex with their husband. Most people don't even have sex with their husbands. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Andrew finishes the lobby remodel that he had been working on but runs away from the people on the board that financed it. Um, Unfortunately, SARS breaks out in Hong Kong, so Rob sends Nancy and the kids back to Vermont so they won't catch it. It's now 2003... And Nancy meets the cable guy who starts doing more than fixing her television, if you get Mundrift.
0: Oh, he also could do, like, fans and light like, switches and things.
1: Mm, yeah. She also gets a tattoo. Oh. Just like you. Of my nipples? <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, she gets a tattoo to prove to her new boyfriend that Rob doesn't control her.
0: That's actually what this, it's a symbol of complete freedom. That's why I went with Sarah and got her permission. Like, I had to have her sign off on it before I got it to show that I also have complete freedom and I am an independent man.
1: Later, Nancy buys him a watch and tells him that she wants to get back to being her, back into her art, away from Rob and all the stupid rich people in her life that don't know what working is like. I'm, I'm... Again, I'd be sensitive to your plight, Nance,
0: if... If you weren't if buying weren't him a watch with your husband's money? A big money.
1: giant hypocrite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also, um, Rob Rob was self-made. Like, when she says these people who don't know how to work, he was self-made. He, he wasn't born into, like, a wealthy family and handed this job.
1: No. Yeah. He's just really good. I mean, also, it was the 90s, so everyone was making money. Right. But... Um, but so, uh, Rob gets suspicious and hires a private investigator who immediately catches Nancy in her affair.
0: Um, I like to imagine he just like drove up and was like, didn't even like put the car in park and was like, well, there she is. Okay, she's fucking.
1: He did like he literally was like parked there and the guy like walked out and he took a picture and he's like, Hey, Rob, it's me. Um, your wife's totally having an affair. Thanks. Uh, that'll be nine thousand dollars. Have a nice day. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um. John Samuels' con gets uncovered. It turns out he's stolen $4 million from his co-op board. Um, Nancy breaks the news to her cable guy that she has to go back to Hong Kong, which she doesn't want to. So instead she's going to get exactly what she wants. And he's like, what's that? And she goes, everything. Um,
0: And then Diamonds are a girl's best friend, but the version from Moulin Rouge (laughs) played behind her.
1: Yeah. Haley and John Stamos start fighting because everyone in their building hates them for stealing four million dollars. Cash. Um, <laughs> instead of instead of doing literally anything responsible, John Samos drives away from his building and does coke off the hood of his car while two girls grind on each other in the background. Okay,
0: listen. I didn't know that I didn't know there were so many options for coping mechanisms. I just mm, apparently. tried into therapy. Those are the only two I've tried. Um, if you told me car hood cocaine and grinding women was an option, I might have tried it once or twice. <laughs> uh,
1: grinding cocaine, I feel like I saw them live somewhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're a Euro rock band.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, his driver's like, dude, you gotta go home. Um, back in Hong Kong, Rob comes home and he and Nance are not getting along but they do fake it pretty well in public. Um, later that evening on sitesearcher.com <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nancy searches for the date rape drug Rob's PI finds out though so I'm not really sure what she's trying to do um, the PI tells him that she's trying to drug him and Rob's like whatever that's my wife she's like probably not going to kill me
0: there's <laughs> a 40% chance that she doesn't want me dead immediately yeah
1: yeah <laughs> John Stamos and Nancy or John Stamos and Nancy John Stamos and Haley moved to Greenwich to start over. Um, Starting over apparently means buying all brand new cars a yacht, a stable, horses, etc. I'm not sure what money he's using but okay. Um, The former co-op talks about how he, after he sued John Stamos for conning the co-op out of $4 million he then bought into Hanrock which is the Kissel's company that they use to slumlord. Oh, okay. Because rich people are fucking idiots. Um, back in Hong Kong in 23- 2003, Rob comes home from work and Nancy hands him a scotch, but he pours it down the drain. Okay. Um, later, he very precisely lays out the contents of his pockets on a tray and his daughter brings him a milkshake that they made for him.
0: Oh.
1: He drinks it and then passes out. Um, he, when he hits the floor, Nancy's downstairs with the kids, and she's like, oh, no, daddy must have dropped something. So she goes upstairs, finds him passed out, picks up a blunt object, and then stops to check herself out in the mirror before bludgeoning Rob to death.
0: I Have you seen the interview with Jennifer Lawrence talking about how she had to learn to shoot a bow for Hunger Games? And she talks about her... Um, archery instructor was like okay well you're really supposed to pull it this way but if you pull it this way it makes your tits pop out and that's what everyone wants to see that's what i imagine nancy was doing in her head was like finding the hottest way to strike someone with a blunt object however you described it
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> um the next day nancy goes to the spa for a nice relaxing day like did. well
0: yeah she's then she wraps up, up.
1: Then she wraps up Rob in a carpet and calls the movers to take him down to the storage space. Um, And then she calls Tony, the cable guy, to see what he's
0: wearing. (laughs) This is a real busy day for Nance. Like, she shouldn't put that massage at the end.
1: She had a full schedule. Yeah, she had a full (laughs) schedule that day. John Stamos unfortunately finds himself in trouble again for not paying his workers again. Um, he's about to get the shit beat out of him by a contractor in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is so fucking funny. <laughs> um, but he gets a call instead that his brother is dead. Um, like 30 seconds after they find his body, Nancy gets arrested. Um, so that definitely didn't go well for her. Right. <laughs> Nancy Grace is back to talk about the murder of Rob while John Samuels gets ready for the day and his wife talks about, um, the murder of Rob while, uh, oh no, his wife talks about how, how John Stamos was like finally out of Rob's shadow and I was like,
0: mm, yeah. I don't know that this is the way that we would, okay, you know what, you do you.
1: She and John Stamos take in the children, of course, you know. Um Nancy's friends tell the cameras that there were no there was no sign that Nancy would ever do something like that. She gets out of jail on bail and goes out with her friends saying she'll never get convicted because without people like them, China's entire economy would just collapse. And I was like, girl, you cannot actually believe that, right? <laughs> <laughs> she also says she has a plan. Which I guess was to transform herself into some kind of meek Asian-esque woman, but she just ends up looking super stupid and racist. Uh-huh. Yep. Damn, this uh, movie yeah. is
0: crushing it.
1: She gets on the stand and claims she has no recollection of anything that's happened ever in her life. Ever. <laughs> at all. Kaylee um, tells the camera that while Nancy was good at a lot of things, getting away with murder did not happen to be one of them she's found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in thailand
0: <laughs> I, whoever wrote Haley's script just had the best time like they're mm-hmm. like we're gonna make Haley the unsung hero of the story she kind of is like she was the she is her and rob were both completely victimized but you muted your mic there. I, okay sorry I was like I, I picked something up that was gonna be loud gotcha. <laughs> I was like if you're talking we can't hear you um, but yeah so I like that they gave H- Haley like all this fire because in real life she really is fiery and like not meek or mild mm-hmm. at all yeah
1: Um. so uh, yeah she, Nancy gets sentenced to life in prison in Thailand which I'm gonna guess is probably like not the best place to be in prison I don't know Um. they take Nancy's diamond necklace and she fights the guards over it because she's Stupid, I guess. Um, Then she cries about how she misses her husband's and husband and kids and wants to go home. And I'm like, um, "Don't kill your husband if you're gonna miss him." Like,
0: right? Okay. I I don't know. This is where Um, we have to talk about actions and consequences.
1: mm Hmm. Meanwhile, back in Greenwich, John Stamos is playing with the kids in the pool. And then he hops on a plane to go to Vegas to meet with some people about money. And things get real awkward real quick. Haley's like, oh, will there be be any women at this meeting? And he's like, I don't do that anymore. And then as he boards the plane, he says, quote, what happens in Vegas stays in my pants.
0: Uh, Sir, it doesn't sound like anything stayed in your pants. So maybe we need a new (laughs) quote here.
1: Yeah. They go to a club and women crawl all over them. John Stamos's stupid co-op friend talks about how even his lies were lies. Um, there's more cocaine, and then one of the women answers John's ringing phone. It's Haley, and she is pissed. Um, John Stamos's co-op friend explains how the con worked, and I don't really get it, so I'm not going to go through it. Um, basically, he stole over $35 million over the course of his career. Oh, my God. He gets... He gets arrested in July of 2005, and all of his toys get taken away. Aww. um, He gets out on bail, but is under house arrest. He and Haley are sadly not getting along. I can't imagine why.
0: Um, it really sounds like a match made in heaven. I'm confused.
1: Yeah. His driver is back to talk about how people come to America to get rich and famous because there's gold in the streets, and I think I live in the wrong America.
0: Yeah... Um, hey, we, we fashion- I haven't spent a lot of time up north. If maybe that's what's going on in the Midwest. They've convinced us all that it's just corn, so that we stay away. But that's really well where the hidden city of El Dorado is, where the streets are paved with gold, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in the middle of a cornfield in nowhere Wisconsin. I believe it. Um, we
1: flash back to two weekends before- prior to the perp walk. John Stamos is doing coke in his car and confronts his co-op friend about suing him. Um, He's trying to talk like a mob boss but he's so coked out of his mind he can't do anything at all. So they just have a yell off in the parking garage. Um, Over in Thailand Nancy gets a phone call. It's Haley letting her know that they cannot keep her children anymore because of John Stamos' legal troubles. So the kids will be moving in with the sister Jane.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Haley leaves the house, all packed up. And John Stamos is there, drunk out of his mind, watching home videos of when he was a kid. Haley tells him that she's leaving, and the kid, she has the kids, and the movers are coming in the morning. He doesn't even seem to hear her. The movie ends, and John Stamos screams for his driver. The home movie that he's watching. Um,
0: right.
1: Screams for his driver, who just kind of shakes his head at Adam and leaves, locking the door behind him. The co-op guy says it could have been anyone who killed John Stamos because he conned literally everyone he ever met. He, said, he does say that his favorite theory is that John Stamos killed himself, saying it was his final con because life insurance won't pay out for suicide but will pay out if someone is murdered. So we see him looking at a family photo, we see clips of his life, happy memories, um, ending on a video of he and his brother in a home movie as kids and then we just cut to like the dead body oh wow um quote in 2011 hong kong's high court granted nancy kissel a retrial citing hearsay evidence had tainted the original trial on march 25th 2011 she was once again found guilty of her husband's murder she remains incarcerated in a seven by seven foot cell in a chinese prison a sign on her door says lifer Haley Kissel was the sole beneficiary of Andrew's life insurance. The insurance proceeds were frozen, and the rest of the estate was deemed worthless. She has returned to work as a stock analyst and now uses her maiden name. A jury acquitted Andrew's longtime driver of murder charges. In a retrial, which I don't get, but although maintaining his innocence, he pled guilty to a charge of attempted murder, conceding that the state had enough evidence to convict him. So I guess he took an Alfred plea. Um... He faces deportation to Columbia after completing his six-year prison sentence. The exact circumstances of Andrew Kissel's death remains a mystery. The character, depicted as Andrew's business partner, is a composite of many people in his life and does not represent any one individual.
0: End quote. Wow. Good. Good job, Lifetime. Like, I'm... This is a
1: great movie. I cannot understand why I could not find this movie anywhere.
0: Wow. Leave it to my fast fingers. I can always find you some movies. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, All right. So the bulk of my information today actually comes from a um, dateline about these people, um, about the Mr. Skissel and their spouses. Um, There was also some other really good articles and then Wikipedia, Um, but the bulk of it really did come from this dateline that was just so fascinating, and I was able to find the transcript, um, which I love when there's a transcript available so I can read through everything really quickly. Oh, yeah. Alright, so I was feeling like I need to be very theatrical in my writing when I started these notes. That goes away, don't worry. But I start out with the end. I Tarantino it for you. On Monday morning, April 3rd, 2006, movers arrived at the Greenwich, I almost said Greenwich because of that (laughs) opening quote, (laughs) at the Greenwich, Connecticut mansion home of Andrew Kissel. His wife, Haley, and their two children had already left the home, but Andrew had stayed behind for the movers. When the movers arrived, however, they were met with a gruesome scene. In the basement, they discovered the body of Mr. Kissel, 46 years old, with his shirt pulled over his head and dead from an apparent stabbing. Not only is any murder terribly suspect, but this one was particularly puzzling. This was the second Mr. Kissel who had been murdered, this one less than three years after his younger brother, Robert. But Robert's per... (laughs) But the person who had been convicted of Robert's murder had been in prison since September 1st, 2005. So who had murdered this brother? And were these murders connected? Um, Hey, talk. I don't know if I'm getting your audio anymore. Oh, there you are. Okay. My computer made a funny noise. Um, I'd written... But Robert's the person who had been convicted of Robert's murder. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, So Andrew and Robert Kissel had an idyllic childhood. They grew up on this perfect little street in New Jersey, basically right out of an episode of Leave It to Beaver. They rode bikes and played football and ran around outside until the streetlights came on. On rainy days, they stayed inside and played Monopoly. And apparently they liked it, which was a thing I didn't realize happened. I didn't think you were allowed to like Monopoly.
1: I think if you like Monopoly, you immediately become a (laughs) stockbroker.
0: Right. Uh, It's like, oh, we found another one. (laughs) Right. And apparently they liked Monopoly so much that they both kind of made it their careers. They bought big properties. They worked in investments. Um, through their though their adult lives took similar directions and certainly ended in similar ways, they were decidedly different as children. So Rob was the athletic one. He was known as being friendlier and more outgoing. Um, he had just that like high school jock charm that's the thing of teen movies. Um, that like he's the nice jock, you know, there's always that one. Um, so. Andrew, on the other hand, was much more shy. In an interview with Dateline, one of Andrew's friends explained that Andrew had to work harder to be liked than Rob did, that he was just much less approachable. Um, but the big thing that they shared in common is that they were both very gifted math students. They would go to Yankees games with friends, and they'd each take a pad and a pencil with them, and they'd keep meticulous track of the stats of each of the Yankees players who hit, like, who got runs what the batting averages were, the whole thing. They would, like, do the math very quickly right there, like, in the stands while watching the game, which is the least, like, the last way I would enjoy baseball, but you know what? You do you.
1: I mean, do you want to know what I think I would enjoy less than an actual baseball game?
0: That? What I just described? That. (laughs) Yeah. Um, excuse me. (coughs) And so, um with these um sorry. Uh the dude 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 dude. And so it came with heads like figures for this with heads like this for figures, it came as no surprise to anybody that they both were destined for careers in business. Andrew opened a car accessories <laughs> retail shop right out of high school. It folded less than a year and a half after opening um, but he was always looking, mostly in vain, for like a get-rich-quick scheme. And this made me think, Aaron, have I ever told you about my dad's history of get-rich-quick schemes? No. I'm going to take a side because you're going to want to hear all the ways my dad thought we were going to get rich throughout my life.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Tell me
0: everything. Okay, so first, my earliest memory, we were rabbit breeders. We sold rabbits out the way. I need you to stop and look at my face. I see you. You're on the other screen, but I see you. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. We introduced our own breed of rabbit. And so, yes, like the, um... Like the... PETA's worst enemies that we were every Easter we would set up by the side of the road on our farm with our pens out there so that everybody who wanted to buy their little precious angel and Easter bunny could buy one from us. And somehow my dad thought that that was going (sighs) to make us inordinately wealthy. When that didn't work he switched to guinea pigs. So we had thousands of guinea pigs at one point when I was little. Thousands. Kept them in, like, troughs in the barn. That's, like, my literal nightmare. Uh Um, After that, he had bubblegum machines. But, Aaron, we only had, like, six machines that he bought from Sam's Club that he thought he was going to contract with, like, businesses to put the bubble gum machines in, like they wouldn't get an actual vendor. I mean, when I was a kid,
1: bubble gum cost twenty-five cents. Was it different in nope. Kilgore? Nope, well, it was
0: the same. Okay, just checking. Yep, just checking. Yep, but we we were going to be the people who supplied the like gas station with the bubble gum dispenser for twenty-five cents. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. Um, Then it was (laughs) baseball cards. Um, And then he was going to... How do
1: baseball cards make you rich? Do what? How do baseball cards make
0: you rich? Oh, he thought that if we just, like, traded them enough, we were going to get this, like, super rare card that some idiot wasn't going to know that they had, like a Jose Canseco rookie card, and then we'd be set. And I was like, Dad, everyone's going to know if they have a, you know what, yep, this is going to do it. This is our lottery. We're mega millions any day now. And that went to he was going to start a lawn service. He never cut our grass. Our grass was over my knees my whole life. Aaron, my whole life.
1: <laughs> Nothing says hire me to mow your lawn like having an overgrown lawn. Right.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> um, he was going to start a window washing business. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. And then he went to, and then whenever I was a real, like a grown adult, like married to Sarah, a grown adult, he decided he was going to go into cell phone repair. And I was like, this is an actual lucrative choice. Like you've actually made one that could take us somewhere. We went through the certification classes. Sarah and I paid for him to go to some of these classes. Like, those were gifts for his birthday and stuff, because that's what he said he was going to do. And we wanted to show we supported this 9 millionth get-rich-quick idea. He is one credit away from being an Apple-certified repair person. I just gave up. (laughs) Um, And then he watched a lot of Storage Wars one time. Like, there was, like, a storage hours oh, no. marathon. And my big brother had gotten into buying the old storage units, you know? My dad wanted mm-hmm. to be on the other side of it and went through auctioneer school. So, Dr. Sarah and I paid for auctioneer school. He has done four auctions, and three of them were for charity, so he made zero dollars.
1: <laughs> you, you, Sarah, like, I know you guys heart's in the right place. But
0: we're the just like enable enablers right right like, this, yeah. You have to no, stop. <laughs> you have uh, to stop. So now his current thing is candles. And he's, well, I thought it was candles and he was doing really well. I was so proud of him doing candles. Like he, they, he named his company something stupid. We won't get into all that. But just as his like, yeah, just <laughs> as his candle company was taking off and like he was seeing success, he decided he's on to something else now. Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Now he's sublimating cups. They're not good either. Wait. What? Uh huh. No. You have to repeat. He that. is sublimating cups. Like. Oh. Oh! <laughs> what did you think I said? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what did you think I said? I can't <laughs> Okay, Aaron is the color of Baruca salt. Is Virgo the one who go? No, Violet. Erin is the color of Violet <laughs> in um, Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Right now, she is laughing so hard. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I, can't <breathe. laughs> I can't breathe. I can't breathe. What did you think I said? <laughs> Oh. oh.
1: Uh. <laughs> I th- oh, no. I thought you said supplementing cut. Yes. Oh my god.
0: He's just <laughs> He just I puts know. ads out on the internet for hot wives, and he's like, listen, does your, does your cup need just a hand, a round of applause? Does he just need a, oh, God. a good old vote of confidence from an older man. I cannot slap him the ass while he's fucking his breathe. Job. Oh, my God. Oh, oh God. my God. <laughs> you know what? Now that we've said it out loud, that's going to be his next get rich quick scheme. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you for providing that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're going to have to go to the grave. Oh my are all support for some kind of bull situation. Oh my God. Okay. I've got it. I'm so sorry. I talked about get rich quick schemes now. I take it all back. Oh, that was funny shit. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so okay. back to the Ooh. brothers. Oh my god, Rob. Oh god. Rob, the cautious and charming younger brother, was also the one who played things safer. He went to college, then went on to get an MBA. He was studious and said that he was prepared for the hard work he knew it took to succeed. One of his friends said in an interview that he was always struck by Rob Kissel's methodical approach to everything. Sports, study, isn't even dating. Quote, he <laughs> This guy, okay, so this guy, Michael... Um, Michael Paradise was his buddy. Like, I think Michael Paradise was in love with him. Because okay. he was like, well, yeah. he was attractive, he was funny, he was smart.
1: Everybody needs a supportive He, he had a... <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop, I can't stop. <laughs> oh god
0: oh my god anyway <laughs> he was like he had a great future ahead of him he was athletic you can go down the list and check them off but it was just like just like I don't know he was just so dreamy about Rob and you know what yeah. live your truth it was just funny. We? I mean, Rob was kind of dreamy. Right. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in 1986 like, He wasn't the garbage one. He was the good right. one. Right. In 1987, when Rob was in his 20s, he went to a Club Med vacation in the Caribbean, and I'm honestly real jealous over just that sentence alone. Same. Yeah. <laughs> um, while he was... The... God, is Club Med even still a thing? I don't know. I'm not... thought of... Is it all sandals now?
1: I don't
0: know. I'm gonna look it up. Um, so while he was there he met Nancy Keeshan a fun loving restaurant manager from New York City um, sparks flew and they hit it off immediately quote she was artistic she was funny she was friendly she was outgoing Michael Paradise said what
1: Club Med is a thing you can now get 45% off and a free antigen test oh. on site well
0: there we go yeah um yeah. And michael paradise wanted to say she seemed to rob love she no she seemed to love rob incredibly i tried to say she seemed to rob low and i was like listen we all rob low sometimes I mean, we do all rob <laughs> <low>. <laughs> so within a few years rob and nancy were married starting a fa- and starting a family in new york city rob known for his love of yankee stats made the natural transition that we all would have made eventually he became a Wall Street banker.
1: I mean, to be fair, if it was still the 90s and we hadn't, like, lived through 9-11 and the housing bubble burst and all that, like, I could have seen myself maybe trying to learn stocks at some point. Right. What was that? But now I'm all about the long-term investment. <laughs>
0: what was that meme I saw the other day? I'm tired of all these things that don't kill me but make me stronger. Yeah. Same. So, um... By the mid-1990s, he was well into a career that would earn him millions. But despite this financial success, Rob was still known to be, like, really down-to-earth. Ross Lichter, who was mm-hmm. his neighbor, was quoted to say, quote, he wasn't flamboyant. I think, he was, I think what he was interested in was making that career, you know, going up the ladder as an investment banker. So clearly, like even others saw, he was concerned with success in his career, not amassing wealth, which are two right. very different ideas. Um, right, but Lichter went on to say Rob's wife, Nancy, was really into money, though loved money, loved money. I mean, who doesn't though? right? I love money, um Nancy was also known
1: as they say, money can't buy you happiness, but it's a lot more comfortable to cry in a mercedes right
0: so where Rob was down to earth, Nancy was a lot more ostentatious um. So Roz, that neighbor, said, quote, one day she was wearing this great beaver coat. So I said, Nancy, this is a great coat. And she said, it is a great go- coat, but you'll never be able to afford it. And I said, what a strange wow. thing to say to somebody. <laughs> that stranger thing said to me. But... Right. Um, so this type of excess or bad attitude did not go without notice from Rob. Elizabeth Lacaz, who was a friend of Nancy's, was quoted to say, quote, We would just be in the neighborhood and, you know, ring the buzzer to see if they were home. And we'd go up and walk in on them. And it was obvious they just had an argument. There'd be attention, and Nancy would kind of look at me and roll her eyes and say, money. Um, but Nancy's friends went on to tell journalists that she had, like, that Nancy was known for collecting shoes and clothes and nice things. Nancy never went without and she flaunted her we- wealth happily but she was also described as happy to share her good fortune she'd buy gifts for others and she'd treat them to lunch but if you crossed her she had a nasty temper um quote she was one of those people who had the ability to basically cut someone out of their lives completely entirely absolutely as if they no longer exist without what appeared to be much of a reason whatsoever and i'm one of those people if i'm being honest
1: I am, too. However, I do usually have a reason.
0: Oh, yeah. I just don't have to tell you, you the You may reason. not
1: like my reason, but I have a reason right. for cutting you out of my life. Right. And but my thing is, I give people, like, so many chances, too many
0: chances. But when I'm done with you, I'm fucking done. You dead. and I are both the same in that way. We're almost doormats until we've had enough, and then we're we're just fucking done.
1: Once I have, like, and that's the thing, like, once I'm done with you, there is absolutely no way to get back into, like, my good Uh -uh. grief. It's just not possible. So in
0: 1997, a, a banker looking to make it big needed only to look to Hong Kong for success. Southeast Asia's currencies were falling in value, and big industries were looking to sell off their assets for basically nickels on the dollar. Um, so, Rob Kissel's bosses at Goldman Sachs sent him there to do as much work as he could while things were still in a financial tailspin. Rob and Nancy packed yeah, a Yeah,
1: and, like, just to be clear, and they talk about this in the movie, and I don't know if you get there, but, like, this guy wasn't working for, like, independent hedge fund shit. Like, he was working for, like, Goldman Sachs, Merrill
0: Lynch, like, a yeah. very
1: big-name financial company. Yeah,
0: that's what, I, like, I just said he was at Goldman Sachs, and I'm talking a little bit about him switching over to Merrill Lynch. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Nancy packed up, Rob and Nancy packed up their belongings, said their goodbyes, and moved to Hong Kong with their children to live mine and your biggest dreams. They were going to become wealthy American expats. And that is my biggest dream. That is my dream.
1: <laughs> Literally. No, I know. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was goodbye,
0: New York. Hello, Hong Please Kong. Please, someone take me out of this fucking country. <laughs> right. So, their new home was a sprawling $20,000 a month apartment in the luxurious View Towers the two of them fit right into this expat li- lifestyle I, get, I can tell I'm tired because all my eyes are becoming A's and that expat lifestyle yeah. um, <laughs> here where the banker husbands like Rob earned millions of dollars a year but also worked 16 hours a day the wives of the bankers okay. like Nancy filled their hours with children and charity work um, but the Kissels kind of saw this as the like great adventure in life, so um, they kind of fit right in in Hong Kong. It was this loud, bustling, busy city of nearly seven million people. By fit right in, I mean like it felt like New York City to them because they'd been on the Upper East Side, where all the action is in New York. You know, they they were close to Times Square. They weren't off the like rich, rich part over by Central Park. So they were used to this hustle and bustle. In sure. Okay. Um, so... Were they on Park Avenue, or...? When they were in, when they were in, um, New York at first, they were, um, actually not far from the Flatiron building. Um, so they weren't, like, right in the heart of Times Square, um, and then they moved over toward Park Avenue. Okay. Um, so, from what I had gathered... To me, like,
1: Park... To me, like, once you hit Park Avenue, that's when you're, like, actually.
0: Working. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't, like.
1: But I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an elitist snob, so, and I, I understand that about myself. Right, so. it
0: happens. Um, so, but they've, as far as, like, this loud, busy city, they kind of fit in. But it was a new culture for them, you know. Um, one of their colleagues described being an expatriate in Hong Kong like this, quote, It really is like Disney World. It's kept green areas, pools, waterfalls, restaurants, tennis, driving range. Um, And then when asked if it was like life at a resort, this person went on to say, quote, it is, the tragedy is you can actually live at Parkview and not have to leave. Um, So people living this lifestyle become very disconnected and forget, like, the woes of the real world sometimes.
1: Gotcha. Well, that I mean, right. That's kind of anywhere, especially when you have money. Like
0: I, mm, I so I get a very I like feel crazy like, rich agent vibe. Even in, yeah,
1: but like even in, I mean, I by, I'm not rich, and I don't ascribe to me, But I live in a very nice neighborhood. Oh yeah, and I live in a in a spot where if I I can get all of my needs met in this neighborhood and never have to leave. And if I never left this neighborhood. I wouldn't. I would become numb to other things happening oh, around absolutely. the city where I live. Yeah, yeah. And where, but I do live in the neighborhood because I like have a wider world view than that. Right. So.
0: And we're kind of the same way. Um, we're in a very like gentrified area of Shreveport, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things happening on the other side of town. Um, we moved to this area specifically because it's the better school district. You know, like. But right, right, right. with that comes, you're right, we lose a lot of diversity. We lose a lot of things that Sarah and I make, have made active decisions, like active work to keep in our lives that I know lots of people in our neighborhood have not made that active work.
1: Well, and I think, too, that, um, well, I don't think I know, but you know that TikTok sound that's like, oh, my daddy drives uh-huh. a, you know, and that's a mall. So, my neighborhood is not like, there's one about the city, like, the neighborhoods in our city, and my neighborhood is in one of Oh, them, really? Like, is in it. And it's not that, my daddy drives a Chevy, or Dad <laughs> <that> 1500. <laughs> I mean, it's not the top tier, but it's not the bottom. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's easy to do anywhere if you live in the right
0: Oh, side. absolutely.
1: I could, I could literally stay where I am and, like, within one square mile of where I'm at and never
0: leave right. Home. Um. so this person went on to say that what you find is that the husbands are never at home even the ones that don't travel they leave early in the morning and come home very late at night and the women and children are always isolated um, so Nancy tried to make the best of it she played tennis she started her own business um, we now know it as Color Street uh, no I'm totally kidding <laughs> <laughs> She did start her own business, but it was not an MLM, to my knowledge. I was
1: going to say, was it an MLM? Well, but I feel like in that, like I feel like if you're a military family, you're more likely to start an MLM. But like if that's your family, probably no, because your husband's going to be like, right? <laughs> um, she had mostly because your husband's more likely to be running a pyramid scheme right.
0: of his own. Right. <laughs> she had friends over. She enjoyed her wealthy, adventurous life. Um, her close friend, Hillary Rich- Richard, vacationed with them. Um, it might be Hillary Richard, because that's... Everyone in Louisiana is Richard, not Richard. But... It's probably Hillary Richard. Probably. Um, so she vacationed with them. Even the if fears- it is Richard, she probably changed it to... Right, me. like hyacinth Bouquet instead of Bucket in Keeping Up Appearances.
1: I... I used to know a girl whose last name was Roach, and she told everyone in our school that her last name was Roche. I would, too. I mean, same, (laughs) but like, I'm just, like, that was an elementary
0: school. Right, (laughs) right. Um, So, Hillary came and stayed with them during vacation during those years. Um, She said that if moving around the world hadn't put, had put stress on their marriage, Nancy didn't let it on that way. Um, and this is the quote that I think is, a, this is like the straight transcript from Dateline. I think this inspired that quote in the movie that you mentioned. Um, so Hillary said, she would speak on at great length about how wonderful and passionate her relationship with Rob remained. I mean, I, and then the guy interviewing her said, she talked about life in bed sometimes, right? And Hillary said, oh, she did, Absolutely. And the interviewer said, and things were okay. And Hillary said things were great according to her. And the interviewer said, She and Rob were a hot ticket, huh? And Hillary said, Well, that's the way she portrayed it, yeah. And I think that this is the conversation that led to the like, nobody sleeps with their husband. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: I mean, I you know, I I feel like maybe maybe that got taken a little bit out of context because if your husband is leaving before you get up and coming home after you go to bed every night, you probably aren't sleeping with your husband. Right. Right. Even if he's not traveling. And then adding the travel on top of that, I
0: mean... Well, I know there were times that, like, when Sarah was in residency and was on the night shift, that we literally didn't see each other for large chunks of time. That we was right when I, I first met yeah. y'all. Um, that...
1: Yeah, and even though these wives are staying home and, like, you and Sarah were both working, I feel like if you never see your husband, it's just, it's, it, the first thing that's going to go is sex if you're both, right. like, completely exhausted at the time when each other is home. Right, exactly. You know? Of course you're not going to have a hot sex life. I mean, okay. that's just
0: kind of the way things are. Right. Um, but every now and again, this perfect facade slipped. Rob and Nancy came home for vacation and ran into their old neighbor, Roz Lichter, um, she said that Rob looked tired and he was hard to connect with. It's like he wasn't even really there, um, which makes sense. Two to three years in Hong Kong was a slog of meetings and deals and travel. In 2009, Merrill Lynch swept Rob away from Goldman Sachs and made him their top man in Southeast Asia. So he was like the Southeast Asia, like Asian president of the Merrill Lynch division. Or like the... In
1: 2009? In 2009?
0: I wrote two thousand nine, but that's not accurate. I think that's supposed to say O three.
1: Well, first of all, in in O nine, Merrill Lynch wasn't making money moves because the housing bubble had burst.
0: And to second say of 03, all, that guy was dead. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is definitely supposed to say two thousand three. I'm glad you caught that. Um, I was so confused. Yeah. So um Merrill Lynch swept him away from Goldman Sachs and made him like the president of the Southeast Asia branch of Merrill Lynch. Um, So Rob, who had always been kind of the golden boy of the Kissels, was making a name for himself and doing the family proud. Um, But he wasn't the Mm -hmm. only one. Andrew had his own investment firm where he bought and managed commercial properties around New York. His wife, Haley had been a champion skier and had now turned into a stock analyst Um, She worked as an analyst for Merrill Lynch and has appeared more than once on CNBC. Like, she was a regular for a while. I think she has gotten back to, Mm -hmm. like, a regular appearance status in recent years. She
1: has. And I think she uses her maiden name. Yes. Um,
0: I I don't remember what her maiden name is now, so.
1: And you know what? I don't want to, like, I don't want to bust her. I mean, I'm sure you can find out if you want to, but. Right. You know what? Like, let her live her life. She survived, like, an ordeal.
0: Right. So. Um, together, they owned a co-op building or a co-op apartment on New York's Upper East Side and made it the showplace of the entire building. Um, mm-hmm. His neighbors were taken by Andrew's charm and money sense. I almost said mayonnaise, even though I typed money sense. I'm just hungry. Yeah. Um, I mean, it- <laughs> I'm, I mean it might as well have been mayonnaise
1: because he didn't have any money so. I,
0: I'm also taken by people's mayonnaise like is that Gosh, is that Hellman's get the that fuck out of here
1: oh, Hellman's Ew.
0: <laughs> I actually Gross. don't like mayonnaise Dukes.
1: I, you know, I, I like it on a sandwich. I don't like it in a jar. If I look at it in a jar, I'm like, that's
0: the most unappetizing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. Um, so he'd apparently grown into this charm as an adult because he definitely didn't have it as a kid. Um, and within, like, minutes, basically, of him joining the co-op, they ha- asked him to be the building's treasurer, and that gave him unbridled access to the finances of the building.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's like a certain person in my life that keeps getting jobs as a bookkeeper, yep. even though they've been to jail for embezzlement. Hmm.
0: Let's what see. Mess. Where were we? we? We're talking about being taken with mayonnaise. The last thing I remember. Um, Listen,
1: wait. eggs should not become that. If I like, if I think too hard about that fact, too, it <laughs>
0: really bothers me. All right. So over time, um, Peter Chamberlain, who was also on the co-op board of the apartment building took a look at some of the books and it didn't take long before he realized the numbers weren't adding up so he confronted Nuh-uh. he confronted andrew in front of the other board members and they just gaslighted him like great andrew's a millionaire why are you questioning him he's got an investment firm like so It would take some time, but eventually the entire board did realize that they were being swindled out of money. They turned to Andrew for answers as the treasurer. Quote, but if Kissel was a financial whiz, it seems he was also a master of the con. That was a direct quote from the dateline. Before all was said and done, he had taken around $4.7 million from the apartment co-op. Somehow... He came up with the cash to pay back the missing millions and in return was allowed to leave unpunished. Yep. So um So speaking as a
1: person that has experienced this personally, this happens a lot. Uh-huh. It happens a a lot. They're like, oh, you paid us back. Okay, have not like, bye, thanks, have a nice day.
0: Right. Um, I don't, I don't like it, but it does.
1: I guess it can be helpful in a situation where it's like, maybe you wrote, like, a a bad check for something for whatever reason, and it's like, you know, I'm going to pay you back, and... Oh, yeah. You know, it'll all be a good faith thing.
0: But when it's like when a $7 million really dollars, large sum of I money, feel like that yeah. is more than a bad yeah. Oh, I just ordered pizza for the whole building. Yeah, I'm exactly. sorry.
1: Yeah. It was to pay for that round that I bought for the entire restaurant
0: when I met my <laughs> right. wife. Right. Um, okay. So, Aaron, where does a disgraced millionaire run away to after it's been found, found out that he swindled millions of dollars from his own apartment building? obvious the wealthy Greenwich, Connecticut. In 2003... Duh. In 2003, Andrew Kissel began playing another dangerous game. It appeared the only thing he'd learned from his last mistake was that he could get away with anything so he started scheming and playing and played around with other people's money just as he had in New York City he began buying up commercial and residential properties all over the wealthiest areas of Connecticut with money he clearly didn't have and while he spiraled into crisis so too did his brother on the other side of the globe in Hong Kong Robert was navigating life in Hong Kong during the SARS outbreak you know the very SARS outbreak that led to our having a COVID-19 vaccine today so there's that at least Weird. Uh, Rob began to try to get the kid. Rob decided to try to get the kids and Nancy to safety out of Hong Kong before they fell ill with, uh, with SARS. Um, so the mo- most logical well, choice sure. he decided was the family ski house in Stratton, Vermont. Um, so Rob stayed in Hong Kong. Family ski house. <laughs> right. Rob stayed in Hong Kong while his family evacuated for safety. But while they were apart, Mm -hmm. Rob began to see signs that Nancy was having an affair. He wanted confirmation and hired a private investigator to check up on Nancy. Um, After confirming Rob's suspicions, they caught a man. I wrote they caught a many. No. They caught a man who Mm -hmm. was described in this dateline as a TV slash stereo installer for the area. It makes more sense that he's the cable guy. Great. Um, Okay. With Nancy. So Frank Shea, who was the P.I., he was also a former New York um, investigator, like NYPD investigator. So okay. Frank Shea called Rob to tell him what he had discovered and said that Rob actually took the news calmly. He hung up the phone and immediately called Nancy. Minutes later, there was a stir in the ski house, and then in his Dateline interview, Frank Shea said, quote, the mail came out of the house, got in his van, and drove off. So, Rob called me back at my house and told me that he had spoken to Nancy. He didn't let her know that the house was being watched. He just said, Nancy, don't do anything stupid. We have the children. We promised each other we'd get this back together. So, Nancy returned to Hong Kong, ostensibly to work things out. A month later, Frank Shea received another email from Rob saying that he was in New York recovering from back surgery and that Nancy was with him. He then asked Frank to check out Nancy again. Quote, what we found was that while Rob was in the hospital and during the course of this operation, she was still seeing this gentleman. And yes, the very same man from Vermont. This time, he said that this news shattered Rob. Um, He said, quote, well, if I can just get her out of New York and get her back home, we can work on our marriage. So he really thought this was a solvable problem and a salvageable relationship.
1: Honey, it's not. By late... Really, really not. Right.
0: By late August 2003, the couple was back in Hong Kong. At one point, Rob opened up about his troubled marriage in an email to his big brother, Andrew. Um, But no one outside was sensing just how dangerous Rob and Nancy's lives were about to become. Except for Frank Shea. At one point, 80,000 miles away, Rob told the detective something unsettling. Quote... Um, she would come home and have a two finger scotch, but the scotch was making him feel much different than it normally than he normally felt. It would make him feel woozy, disoriented, not something he was used to. Shay said. Yeah. And this is when Shay's instincts kicked into high gear. As a former detective, um, he urged Rob to rush a sample of the scotch to a lab for testing, but he also knew that Rob may not do this. Um, like he, I. I think he thought that Rob wouldn't kind of sense the urgency and think, like, well, Nancy would never do that. We're married. Um, so he mm-hmm. actually, on his own dime, arranged to meet with Rob in the China Club, which was a very exclusive club in Hong Kong. So he flew from New York to Hong Kong to meet with Rob in person. Okay. Um, so, Frank. Frank said, quote, "I sat down with Rob Kissel, and I looked him right across the table and at the China Club, and I said, "Rob, I think Nancy's trying to kill you." And the interviewer said, "How do you react to that kind of thing? Your marriage may be on the rocks, but she's killing me." And Frank said, he you know, he took in my statement. He didn't say that he bought it a hundred percent, but he was really concerned about his safety. A month passed before Frank knew anything else. Rob never sent a sample out for testing but he had decided that his marriage was too broken to fix and he was going to ask Nancy for a divorce. Um,
1: okay.
0: So, sorry, I got lost. So we, um, then this was a direct quote from the Dateline. <coughs> Excuse me. We know Rob Kissel spent the day with his three kids. He was crazy about at one point, his daughter gave him a pink milkshake mixed up by her mom. A secret recipe, she called it, in the oh, spirit of Halloween, because this was Halloween Day.
1: This is...
0: I'm not getting you if you're talking. You're not? No, I am, but I wasn't. Okay.
1: Okay. Th- like, you actively used your children in the That's murder disgusting. of their disgusting. It is so... That is, like, a, a different level of maniacal, like, that I just cannot even, I, I, oh, my God.
0: I hope, I hope Rob's sister got her a lot, and is getting her a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, oh so, uh, let's see. It seemed
1: at the time... Because they have that, and then there is two... Later, she has her other child hold open the door for the men that are taking her his father's body out of the house.
0: Yeah.
1: God. Everyone needs to go, like, directly to therapy. Yeah. Except for you, Nance. You go directly to prison. Thanks.
0: Um, <laughs> he had to... He had... He had to have had so much on his mind that afternoon. The impending divorce, the possible loss of his children, and on top of it all, a critical conference call at home later that evening. It was so important that a colleague phoned him to talk about strategy for the meeting. Um, Hong Kong reporter Albert Wong says the colleague thought Robert sounded as though he were on another planet. So at first, the the co-worker didn't make anything of it. But when Kissel missed the conference call that night and was a no-show at the office the next day, the friend called Nancy. She told him that she and Rob were dancing with... Fam- dancing? No. we're dealing with family issues. Um, mm-hmm. But as the days passed, the friend suspected something more sinister at play and filed a missing persons report. So police later knocked on the Kissel's door. She let them in and explained that her, that her husband had walked out on her after a fight. Um, meanwhile another team of, inve- of inspectors was investigating reports of a strange smell coming from the storage unit that belonged to the Kissels. The police eventually asked Mr. Mrs. Kissel for the keys, and after some hesitation she handed them over. Forty-year-old Robert Kissel had been rolled inside a carpet padded with pillows and towels to contain the stench. Within hours, Nancy was under arrest. And so... Um another big player. Yeah, like she did
1: not do a very good job because they were like, "Oh, look, he, he's dead.
0: Um you totally did it." Yeah. <laughs> um another big player in the state line interview was Michael uh, Colasano who was the children's court appointed attorney. Um oh. Or the court-appointed court guardian until they figured out what was going on. I couldn't figure it out because it kind of talked about him in two different ways. Um, but in either case, he had been entrusted okay. in- with the children's care until they settled where they would go. Um, okay. so he think mean, that
1: makes sense. Even if they're just going to go with family, they have to have a guardian,
0: like, take them right. there. Um, so he conducted yeah. an interview with Andrew Kissel on the phone. Um just to make sure that he could recommend Andrew as a custodian to the court. Um, but he said the phone call went really poorly. So, um, this guardian, Michael Colasano said, quote, he wanted to tell me how rich he was. And I wasn't really looking to get from the conversation, how rich he was. I was looking to get from the conversation that he was going to be a good custodian to the kids. Um, and then the interviewer said, did you hang up the phone and think, like, what a jerk? And Colisano said, maybe that's a little strong, but in hindsight, yeah, kind of. Um, he, and I feel like um,
1: Haley like, really got the shaft here. Because, like, I feel like she would have been a great guardian for the children. Yes. But because of her relationship with Andrew, they were just
0: like, no. Yeah. So... um. So few people were focusing on just how kind of psychotic that whole conversation was when there was a murder trial about to begin for the parents of these children um right so when nancy appeared for court at her trial she had changed her look entirely and she'd gone from this like decidedly american look to dyeing her hair jet black and dressing in kind of traditional regional appropriate garb um a long shot at trying to convince the jury to identify with her, but, like, as you said, it looked like just a racist, like, cosplay. Like, yeah, you're just a racist. W- like, stop
1: it. Like, it looked stop like it. the
0: Asian equivalent of blackface. I don't know how else to describe it.
1: Oh, speaking of blackface, can we talk about this for a second? This is totally off.
0: Yes. Topic.
1: Did you see the thing for that new show, The Activist? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so they have the, – CBS is launching a new show called The Activist, where it is it is activists for different causes, like going on reality TV to see how much money they can raise for their cause, and, like, that person wins or whatever. And it's hosted by Usher, someone else, and Julianne Huff, who, like, in the last five years has worn blackface out in public. Like, what is this?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Hey, let's stop, let's stop, like, glorifying, like, not glorifying, let's stop, like, gawking at activism,
0: like. Right.
1: And they could take all the money they've invested in that show and actually make a difference. Right. Like, yes. I this, fucking care. This is,
0: <laughs> this is activism theater at this point. Like, what CBS yeah, is doing. it is.
1: And it's disgusting. Priyanka it's disgusting. Chopra and is also, the other like, judge. Yeah. And can we just, like, take Julianne Huff and throw her in
0: the trash? Yeah, like, that's, like... What the fuck? Let's, I don't know, get an actual person who knows activism. Maybe. Okay.
1: It makes me very angry. Okay,
0: this sounds like a nightmare. Um,
1: like, just take all the money that, you inv- you, that you're going to invest in this show and give it to activist causes instead. Yeah,
0: no Just sure. take it off
1: the TV, give them the money, and everyone go on their merry way and be happy. But no, it's capitalism, so we have to, like, gawk at it on reality Tell I can't.
0: Right. Oh, okay. One of my headphones is about to die. And I... <laughs> this is... Today is a nightmare. And I am, like... Only on page six of my 12 pages of notes, so I'm going to speed through the rest. Let's get after it. All right. Um... <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Nancy came to put on a show and high theater. It was the prosecution outlined this case against Nancy. They called her a calculating wife in love with another man, hungry for her husband's millions, unwilling to put up with a messy divorce before she killed him. The prosecutor said Nancy had trolled the internet to research drugs to poison her husband. Um, like they, I mean, they painted her as a cold blooded killer. But when your drug history is, like, I mean, when your search history is like drugs to poison people with, like, yeah, it was like full sentence searches. Like, how do I kill my husband with drugs? Dear Google, <laughs> right? <laughs> She's emailing like Casey Anthony. I was like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> how? What search engine do you trust? Um, so be a girl boss (laughs) prosecutors laid out the last hours of Kissel's life in grisly detail they said that Nancy knew full well that her husband was about to ask for a divorce so she launched a preemptive preemptive strike she blended a pharmacy of drugs including rohypnol into the milkshake and gave it to one of her daughters to serve to her father Um, that is yep So after that is after drinking the diabolical, sorry. Yep. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. One of my headphones died, but I think it's the one without the microphone. Um Oh good. So after drinking the milkshake, Rob played with his son one last time and then spoke on the phone with a colleague. Then um, he got into his pajamas. The drugs kicked in. He staggered toward his bed and collapsed. And then Nancy came after him with a family heirloom in hand. It was this heavy, like ornamental statue that she bludgeoned with him, bludgeoned him with five times. Um, she went to an upscale home furnishing store and bought new linens and carpets and um. The prosecution said she slept with the body for two nights. And, like, like with him in the her, room. You didn't and think then, about this
1: at all. You didn't think about this at all, because how did you think you were going to get away with this? Right. In what world were you going to get away with this?
0: Right. Um. So then Nancy came to tell her own story after they explained all this, and she said that... Um, she was an abused wife, how at night her husband did, quote, a Jekyll and Hyde, peeling off his conservative skin to snort coke and drink scotch till he was smashed, and how he routinely he
1: his forced
0: her into humiliating rough sex. Um and like, girl, if you don't like it, just say that, but don't call it humiliating. Some people are into that. Um Yep. Her friend Liz Lacaze yep. said that she was just crying out for help. That that's why she hooked up with the um cable guy and i'm like well i mean sure but like you can also cry out for help without killing your husband
1: you can in fact
0: <laughs> yeah um
1: also like if you and i understand that people will return to abusers for a variety of reasons however if you are at one point in another country I.e., you are in your home country and your abuser is in another country um, overseas, don't go back. Right. Right. They can't make you. Nope. It's not like it was the opposite and you weren't going to be able to go home. You were home.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Don't go back.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm going to stop this recording right here so I can switch to different headphones alright so sorry about that this has been my night yeah,
1: um, yeah I mean we've had a night tonight
0: <laughs> I don't know um, so yes so she said um, she did acknowledge on the stand that at least on one occasion she sedated Rob to calm him down but she denied lacing his milkshake that day with the five types of sedatives found in his body because anyone who's going to like sedate themselves five! are going to you know sedate themselves with five things including rehypnol
1: but yeah i like to make myself a nice little cocktail
0: you know right right
1: just like dump all the things
0: into it right obviously just to be very safe <laughs> um oh my God. so her her memory suddenly became very spotty she said she acted in self-defense because he was threatening her, but she doesn't think she struck him five times with a statue. She would remember that, did and it's I like well think that I did that? his head was bashed in, so how did that happen Nancy huh um so after three months of trial, the jury of five men and two women did not believe the battered wife syndrome and unanimously voted gu- like unanimously returned the v- verdict of guilty. Nancy Kissel would spend the rest of her life in a Chinese prison. Rob's friends in New York couldn't spare her much sympathy, said Dateline. Um, Bummer. Yeah, I feel bad for her. Except I don't. By the spring of 2005, nearly two years after the murder of his younger brother, Andrew Kissel was in a funk, to say the least. Everyone assumed his grief was over the family's tragedy, Rob murdered by his wife and the children left behind. But maybe those tears were just for himself. It seems that Andrew's this is this is a quote from Datelight I cannot take um credit for it. It seems that Andrew's crooked monopoly game was catching up with him and he was about to draw the go directly to jail card. Oh, I hate when I have <laughs> Right. Um, so while his family was sitting through this traumatic murder trial in Hong Kong. Andrew was busy making headlines of his own back home in Greenwich. Swindling his apartment neighbors in Manhattan was just the tip of the iceberg compared to what he was able to do um in Greenwich according to federal authorities. In the summer of 2005, they arrested him and charged him with defrauding banks in a massive loan scheme. There was a great deal of evidence against him. There's a great deal of money that cannot be accounted for, and by a great deal I mean Roughly $20 million unaccounted for.
1: That is a great
0: deal of money. That's a lot of money.
1: It's so, so many dollars. Um,
0: Kissel's attorney, Philip Russell, says the scheme went like this. Kissel would take out a mortgage for a piece of property then forge another document to make it look like he'd paid off the debt, that he owned the property just outright. Then he went to a different bank and mortgaged that property again so that there would be more than one loan on a single piece of property. Um, it was bank fraud, to none say of the these least. these
1: properties... How did they not get repossessed? I don't get it.
0: Yeah, Also, well...
1: Also, if you're taking on a second loan, don't you need the deed, not just something saying that you
0: paid off the property hell if i know you need like a clear deed not if you're white but i've never been this wealthy aaron i don't know i just sold my first house and we sold it for exactly what we owed on it so i don't know how any of this works
1: you like literally didn't even take advantage of the market i'm so no i know except i'm really glad you're a bit of the house (laughs) Um,
0: so if convicted of all charges andrew kissel would have spent the rest of his life in a federal prison um and then it said not a rosy prospect for the guardian of his late brother's three children and heirs to his estate estimated at about 18 million dollars um so um michael colisano that court-appointed attorney i mentioned earlier um was incensed when he later realized that andrew had conned him into believing that he had the best interest of his nephew and nieces at heart um, he said, quote, I believe he said that he had independently raised a hundred thousand dollars in a separate t- trust for their well being. Um and the interviewer said, Was that true? And Colisano said, No. And so the interviewer said, So he just okay. sat there and lied to you.
1: Also, you are a multi multi millionaire. And
0: you had to and raise you set aside a hundred thousand million
1: dollars. <laughs> You you've only set aside a hundred thousand dollars for these
0: kids, right?
1: Um, you're doing it wrong, right? I mean, you're doing it wrong anyway, but you're really doing that wrong.
0: Um, and there was another worry for the children's attorney because behind closed doors, war had been declared. Andrew and his wife were splitting up in an ugly fashion emails that were obtained by Dateline showed Haley venting. It said Haley venting her spleen to her husband's sister and I've never realized that's the full phrase. Um, so Haley and Jane were very close. Jane was the sister that eventually took guardianship of the children. Um, Haley wrote, I just hate him. He will never be a good responsible person. And then it goes on to say, do you know last night in bed I could actually see myself pummeling him to death and just enjoying the sensation of each and every shot? And then I I assume that when your husband is fucking coked out
1: 100% of the time that is how you feel about him. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: I've been around people I've done coke. And I realize
0: the people on Coke are the worst. So. Yeah. So Colasano said that was just one of the emails. There was a pattern of behavior that clearly indicated a stressful home. And, um, I don't think that the interests of the children were being served in that home. And so Andrew's sister, Jane agreed and she petitioned for, and was granted custody of the three children. She went so far as to make Andrew and Haley's feud a matter of public record. Um, because it had all been done in secret but to get custody she had to submit that this whole horrible messy divorce was happening um so andrew left a message on her answering machine that said jane it's your ex-brother you're famous you're on the front page of the new york times you should get it you're quoted and we are going to bury you jane yep okay so um his own attorney philip russell says that andrew cut a deal with federal prosecutors that included prison um but in the meantime he was under house arrest ticking off the days watching tv with an ankle bracelet on which brings us back to april 2006 where i opened with the brutal stabbing murder of andrew kissel According to police, whoever murdered Andrew Kissel had pulled his shirt over his head and stabbed him multiple times. But very unofficially, there was an amateur detective theory that floated around that had this kind of appealing logic to it. Um, Brian Howey, one of Andrew Kissel's friends, said about a day after it happened, I thought he'd probably hired someone to kill him. Um, He said that... Andrew had a hefty life insurance policy and that Kissel loved his children, his two daughters, um, enough to pull off one last con against the insurance company. A policy would pay off for murder, but not suicide. Uh, Because if there was insurance money involved, he loved those children. And if he was going away for a significant amount of time, you know, money money mattered in his world. So he wanted to see that they were taken care of um and then dateline ended with but that's just a conjecture the murder remains a true whodunit in mystery game board fashion and while the police are asking the close-up investigators questions and all the while police are asking the close-up investigators questions who and why um so that was that incredible dateline that was from 2008 i think it was okay um or 2000 whenever this murder happened it was pretty soon after Andrew's murder um 2006 um so then I have some updates from since that dateline um so Kissel Shafour wait huh.
1: I just like before you get the updates because I don't know if they're going to change my mind so at this point I really believe he hired someone to kill him okay for the insurance money. okay so
0: that's okay. So Kissel's chauffeur, Carlos Trujillo, and Trujillo's cousins, Leonard and Jair, were arrested on March 2008 and charged in his death. Police had followed up on a credit card found during a search of Carlos Trujillo's restaurant, uh, residence. Sorry. Um, during a follow-up interview, they were told about a murder plot. According to the prosecution, the motive for the murder was Trujillo's fear that their involvement in laundering money for Kissel would be exposed. The jury had problems understanding or accepting this theory. So according to the prosecution, um, I've already said that. So he was charged with murder and then he was acquitted of the murder charge, but he entered a... Guilty plea to the attempted murder charge and received a six year sentence followed by deportation f- to his home country of Colombia. Uh, <laughs> Leonard pleaded guilty to manslaughter and conspiracy to commit murder and he testified against his cousin and Carl uh, his cousin Carlos he received a sentence of twenty years and then um In 2009, it was reported that Haley, Andrew's widow, lost her bid to get the life insurance company payout of his $15 million life insurance policy. The company had sued Haley, saying it did not have to pay because Andrew Kissel had withheld the fact that he was a chronic drug user and had sought psychiatric care. Haley Kissel had made made counterclaims that the insurance agent who sold Andrew Kissel the policy violated state law, by encouraging Kissel to drop two uncontested life insurance policies worth $4 million, and by holding the fact that he knew of her husband's drug problems. Um, The district judge who oversaw this ruled that Andrew Kissel signed what he knew were false documents and ruled that Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company um, could rescind the $15 million policy. So Connecticut is among the few states that allow insurance companies to withhold payment on a life insurance policy based on false medical information. Um so I mean insurance fraud is like
1: since I work in insurance
0: right.
1: I, insurance fraud is like a big deal. Right. Um I don't work in life insurance and health insurance, so I can't speak to that portion, but I know on a, like, property and casualty side, if you, especially, like, on a property side, if you misrepresent anything in your application, like, they're not
0: going to pay you. Right. Um, Tough shit. So, the way that Connecticut's is worded is different than a lot of states. Um, Connecticut is in this handful of states that if the death is unrelated, they can withhold the payout. So, like, he lied that he didn't do drugs, but he was murdered, so the drugs didn't affect his, like, death. In some states... Okay, so if he
1: had died from, like, overdosing, if he had died from overdosing, it would have been, like... In um... most
0: states, if he died of overdosing, even though he said that he didn't do drugs, then they could withhold payout, that that's a, um, like, reasonable mm-hmm. withholding, but uh, in sure. this case that did not fly like in this case they can cancel it for any reason because he lied in the official the initial documents um
1: honestly like I know like people think insurance companies are evil and terrible and must be destroyed but like in, a, in an instance like that like I'm sorry you shouldn't lie on your life insurance
0: no time. I agree and you know I've only ever had a good and experience with and they should be able to be like company. hey
1: and they should be able to be like hey he lied like no
0: right um, now because you know what,
1: you like, I don't lie on my applications, which means sometimes I have to pay higher premiums for things. And if you are taking out a 15 million dollar life insurance policy, uh-huh. also, why was there no like medical check for that? Right, I should have been able to easily tell that he was on drugs,
0: right? That's crazy. Um well, the, uh, the one of the things that leads me to think that maybe this wasn't set up on Andrew Kissel's part is that um, if he had lived through June of 2006, the policy would become incontestable under state law. And then they would have had to pay out regardless of reason because of the way the laws are written. And I think that somebody who is as big a con man as that would know that.
1: I'm gonna counter that. Just saying, I feel like he had gotten away with so much at that point that he thought he was untouchable. That, yeah.
0: Um. So, so Haley did. Either way,
1: that sucks. Like he has, and like in this situation, especially because because of his like terrible actions, whether or not he was murdered or set up his own murder because of his like bad
0: decisions his children have
1: like lost out. And that right.
0: is just Absolutely. a shame. Um, so as for our friend Nancy, she was sentenced to life in prison in 2005, Put a, appealed her conviction in April of 2008. That petition was rejected and the case was heard, eventually heard. Um... Sorry, I mistyped something. I'm trying to correct it. Um, the case was eventually heard before a five judge panel led by, um, a chief, led by a chief justice in January of 2009, um... 2010, sorry. The defense ag- argued that the prosecution had improperly used evidence, including hearsay, and that the original jury select instructions were problematic. So on February 11, 2010, the court of final appeal ordered a retrial because of the prosecution's use of inadmissible evidence. <clears throat> Kissel was reindicted on a single count of murder on March 2, 2010. That was my birthday. What's up? um with the retrial due to start on January 10th,
1: 2011. How old were you turning in March of
0: 2010?
1: 22. 22. My god, I'm so old. Okay, I'm sorry I asked. Uh-oh.
0: According to the defense, Robert told his wife on the night of November 2nd, 2003, that he was filing for divorce and that she was unfit to care for their children. The defense also alleged that she had long suffered physical and sexual abuse. Nancy pleaded not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the basis of diminished responsibility and provocation. She admitted to having an extramarital relationship with this TV repair guy and that And then the prosecution alleged that she planned to run away with her lover to the U.S. after her husband's death and that she stood to inherit her husband's estate worth $18 million. On March 25, 2011, after hearing evidence from over 50 prosecution and defense witnesses over 10 weeks, the jury of seven women and two men unanimously found Kissel guilty as charged. She was sentenced to life imprisonment. On April 24th, 2014, the court of final appeal refused to allow an appeal against the verdict of her 2011 retrial, rejecting the arguments of Kissel's lawyer that the prosecution was wrong to tell the retrial's jury that the client was not suffering from any psychiatric illness and that the trial judge had erred in uh, directing the jury. Um,
1: Okay.
0: And then the Um, the justice who presided over that appeal said we are not persuaded that the two grounds submitted by the applicant are arguable Um, and so Nancy has lost her final chance at appeals and I just banged my head on the wall which means that that went through the microphone so sorry everybody
1: yeah that's super
0: okay Well... well there you Bye. go. That is um, nine hours of me talking about this case that consumed me. And uh, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. Erin, what have you been reading lately?
1: Well, I finally finished Survive the Night. Okay. Um, which was great. And I finished, I don't remember if I talked about this. Last time I finished when the stars go dark.
0: Oh, good! You Um, loved it. I love. I love. I told you you would. I
1: freaking cried more than once. It was so good.
0: I'm an incredible book picker. It's one of my few gifts. (laughs) What about you? What are you reading? Um. Well, I am listening to The Last Apothecary on audiobook. Oh, that's a great yep, book. Yep, I got it at your recommendation. I've had it for a while, I just haven't actually cracked it open. Um, and I just finished, um, oh, what was that Lady of Shalot book that I mentioned a couple weeks ago? Um, Half Sick of Shadows. So good. So good. Oh. It's a Arthur retelling. I love anything Arthurian.
1: Okay, cool. Yep, yep. So right now i'm reading rock paper scissors by alice feeney um it's so funny because the other night i was like i sent y'all a snap and i was like i can't sleep i need to know what happened uh-huh and then i literally fell asleep while reading it and i have not picked it up since.
0: <laughs> so you know i did that with jay daisy jones and the six that i read a big chunk uh-huh. of it and like i couldn't put it down and then when i put it down i took a week off
1: Well, first of all, I just know as soon as I pick it up again, I'm gonna finish it. Right. And so I need to have like that chunk of time. Like it's literally sitting across the thing, and I'm gonna have to do everything I can not to pick it up tonight because it's 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 ten o'clock. It's too late. Yeah. Yeah. I won't go to bed till like two. Um, I'm like about halfway through it. It's very good. Um, I care more about the well-being of the dog than I do the people. You told us that. Yeah. Garbage at this point. Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at. Great. But also Survive the Night, um, Riley Sager, um, I didn't love his last book, Home Before Dark, um, this one was great, and I was a little bit nervous about this one, because I read some bad reviews, but I actually really liked it.
0: Good, good. I was hoping that you would, because, like, I know that the, um, was it Alex Michaelides you were so excited for, and then you just had a meh response?
1: No, I like that one. Do what? I liked that Did one. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess it wasn't, like,
0: amazing. But... Right, because, like, I know you loved The good. Silent Patient, like... And oh, my God. So, I didn't want this Riley Sager to be another, like, eh, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, you know, they can't all be perfect, I
0: guess. But, I mean, <laughs> they're not all my books. That said, uh, I celebrated another rejection, so... You know, every day we're closer to that. Yes. Oh, speaking of. Right now, it just feels like high school. Have I been
1: writing my, have I been working on my own book?
0: No. You know, it comes and goes. It does. Um, yeah, I, I was, so I was driving last week with Sarah to go see my best friend in Dallas. And, um, mm-hmm. along the way we wrote a whole Hallmark movie, um, Hallmark. Hallmark is always looking for authors, and so I was like, "I want to write this down as a book. We're just gonna, we're just gonna make this happen." Um, so, if I ever get through one of my projects, then I'm gonna write that. But I sure did put everything down on paper, like my whole brainstorm, so that I can return to it.
1: Maybe then Deck the Hallmark won't, will stop like ignoring it. Oh, that
0: would be great! Like, listen, hey, at Deck the Hallmark. If I say it verbally, will they still get tagged? I said the at. No. hashtag deck the hallmark look at us <laughs> i'm still i'm
1: still very depressed so i cannot contribute to this conversation in like a, a genuine way
0: <laughs> sorry no it's fine uh
1: it's so to- like it's totally fine. right i'm just like come on really like we're fun
0: <laughs> um i'm a really fun love girl. us love me oh <laughs> right well uh can you tell people where to find us? Sure. You can find us on
1: the Instagram at lifetime sentence on Twitter at life sentence pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. We're also at lifetime Um, you can email us from our website. I don't remember the email address. Is it
0: podcast uh, at lifetime sentence podcast
1: at lifetime um and then you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence i just covered the black swan murder um and then find us on discord it's pinned on our twitter join our discar- discard discard yeah. discord we're having a lot of fun
0: we are it's a
1: good time we're super involved so if you want to talk to us like come do that um not super into the Facebook group thing because I'm trying to get away from Facebook as a whole. So, yeah. So, you
0: know. It's just gross. Um, but, it yeah. Is. It's uh, trash. Come hang out with us. And um, be looking on our social it's media. It's way fun. We
1: get, like, people, like, get to suggest episodes and... Um, we talk about our vacations and everything that's going on in our lives. Like, Yeah. So, and we don't I mean, just mean us. Like it's, like, it's not just a, me and Aaron
0: running the conversation. In fact, we're usually just participants no. in other people's conversation.
1: I, like, pop out for a few days and then I come back and I'm like, oh, wait, how did I miss that? Like, wait, I haven't I have paid Right. Like,
0: <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, I can't stress this enough. Drink lots of water. And eat your vegetables.
1: Charge your phone in case you have to run from the serial killer. (laughs) Bye. Bye.